0: Hi, good afternoon and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host for the broadcast today, Mary Fran Johnson, and I'm delighted to be joined here today by Rich Wiedenbeck, who is the senior vice president and CIO of Emeritus Life Insurance Corporation. I want to welcome our viewers who are watching us live on LinkedIn. We're also streaming onto Twitter and YouTube. And during the broadcast, I'll be stopping a few times to remind everyone that you are welcome to join the conversation here with me and Rich. Please type in your questions. We're watching all of our live feeds, and I'll be happy to pass along live Q&A as we're here. So let me tell you a little bit about Rich before we get underway. He joined Emeritus in 2010 as a VP of IT and rose to join the Executive Committee as the SVP and CIO in 2013. He's responsible for all enterprise-wide technology strategy and direction, as well as the data and business intelligence and insights uh, programs at Emeritus and the company's security program as well. Emeritus Life is based in Lincoln, Nebraska, with revenues of about $2.2 billion. It's a diversified financial services company that offers life annuities, disability, dental, and vision insurance, and products and services nationwide. It's the fifth largest provider of dental insurance in the country. Rich brought to Emeritus a diverse background in IT and business, including running his own project consultancy and serving as a global software vice president at both Sapiens International and Sherwood International. And he also worked at Capgemini and Ernst & Young as a global leader in the financial services sector. Before he joined Capgemini, he worked in various management roles in the printing, aerospace, and defense industries. And on top of that, just this year, he's run 14 half marathons. So he's a guy who works hard and also keeps in great shape. It's great to have you here today, Rich. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. I always like to start these out at a very high level view about the industry that you are sur- not just surviving but thriving in. As a CIO with uh, gosh more ten years now under your belt, uh, that that puts you at about twice the industry tenure as a CIO. On average, CIOs stay about five years, but you have been you've had a good long stretch at Emeritus. And so I want to talk about what you've seen happening in that time, both the disruption in your market and the way the customer expectations of the company are changing.
1: Great. Thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome introduction. It's always nice to have uh, nice things said about you. Um, it's
0: nice to hear how great you're doing. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> yes.
1: yes. That's always a good thing. So, I, you know, I if I just... Take a couple steps back around the life insurance industry, and yes. I think that's a great question because it's an industry that I'm not sure people really understand that well. If you think about it, it goes back 150 years, and right? Most
0: of us just know it's very complex,
1: right? And it's <laughs> uh, and you know, so we like to say we're we're in the business of fulfilling life, right? That's one yeah. of our uh, our taglines. And and 150 years ago, that was a paper and a promise. Um, and really, what's the promise hasn't changed at all, right? We still fulfill that promise every single day, mm-hmm. um, to a, to a very large tune. Uh, you know, I think uh, we paid out almost seventy million dollars in benefits um, last year alone. Um, you know, and so we really feel good about that. What's changed yeah. is the paper, right? The way we fulfill that promise, the way we have to go out and make that promise real. Uh, to people throughout their, their lifetime. And I think that's, that's really where we're seeing the dynamic. This, mm-hmm. this world of uh, the fourth industrial revolution is really coming at our industry <clears throat> you know, from all those perspectives, age of the customer, digital. Yes. Um, they're all affecting the way we're going to fulfill that promise, how we interact with our consumers, how we're going to get to market, how we're going to uh, engage with you differently over your lifetime, because you're right, it is a challenge to uh, – I like to come back and say it's easier – we want to make it easy to understand, yes, easy to buy, and easy to participate in.
0: And that often means that you need to reduce a lot of the paperwork, because I'd say probably the insurance, well, health insurance and life insurance industries probably have that general reputation among consumers that it's a whole lot of paperwork.
1: Yeah, and some of that paperwork is regulatory required, right? So, yes. So one of our other challenges is how yeah. do we go build this frictionless um, kind of interaction that mm-hmm. we're all striving for, that expectation is being set. Um, everywhere outside of our industry, mm-hmm. how do we how do we kind of meet that expectation and also fulfill a lot of the regulatory requirements? So we're having to navigate through those two uh-huh. pieces, right? the yeah. how do we go make uh, make it easier on our consumers but also, uh, maintain the regulator. And I, I don't want to make the regulators you know, bad people. I think mm-hmm. they're really uh, trying to do consumer protection. They're trying to, you know make sure privacy and those things are covered off. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want they want an industry that is healthy for many, many years. We want an industry that's healthy for many, many years. But we do have to get in and do that. And we have to do that with our um, uh, insurance is still predominantly sold through intermediaries, whether that's a, a financial mm-hmm. advisor, a broker, <clears throat> a benefit advisor, um, and those professionals are equally interested in a frictionless interaction with, our, uh, with the consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, and consumers are interested in interacting with us differently. Sometimes they want to talk to our, you know, they want to talk to us directly, sometimes they want to go online. Yeah. Um, sometimes they want to talk to a professional, and we want to make sure that whole kind of ecosystem of delivery uh, you know, advances. Mm-hmm. Um, because we weren't traditionally an industry that was focused. Uh, that way, right? Uh, now we want to go work in the digital space, be more online, be more interactive, yes. be more omnichannel.
0: Well, and, and older customers were probably much more used to dealing with a single broker. You know, they didn't really think about the monolithic insurance company behind the broker, the one they were working with necessarily. Today, you're just as likely, especially with younger consumers, to expect to have a direct channel into that, into you.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting. We're seeing, uh, I, I'd argue we're seeing a I don't know if it's a bifurcation or a little mm-hmm. bit of a split. So a lot, a lot of times the first slice of that is this kind of broad demographic slice. Mm-hmm. But when you go into the behavior side, we are finding people in the boomer generation mm-hmm. that actually do want to go online and do things online. And we're finding people in the millennial generation that actually do want the advice of a financial professional, right? So it's always they
0: dangerous act- to make assumptions, isn't right. it? So yeah.
1: we want to make sure we're creating an environment kind of connecting to the customer in a way that the customer can interact with us the way they, they want to. Now, that's mm-hmm. that can be uh, exciting, mm-hmm. and that can be challenging, Yes. right? Both of those can happen at the same time. But I think we're, we're trying to make sure we understand you and what you want Mm -hmm. uh, so that we don't just paint you with that brush of which demographic are you in. Where do we
0: slot you in? We'll text you with that information. Right, exactly right,
1: yeah. But we do want to make sure we recognize where you might be starting from because, you know, you you go into those broad demographics and you will see patterns, right? Yes.
0: Well, and you're doing all of this in an environment where the insurance industry is consolidating in a tremendous fashion. I mean, on a par of what, well, financial services and banks as well. How does that impact your role, especially over the last 10 years that you've been uh, with Emeritus? How have things changed from the CIO's perspective on that?
1: Um, so I'll, I'll, yeah, we are an industry in consolidation. I mm-hmm. think if you go back um, 10 years ago, there's, uh, there's rating agencies that look at the insurance industry, uh, holistically, and there were 2,300 life and annuity companies, less than a 1,000 now. Yes, um, I think there's two mm-hmm. things we look at. One, uh, we do need to pay attention to that. We do need to look at how we can grow to take care of our customers in the right way. Mm-hmm. I think what's really helpful for us is uh, we are a firm believer in the purpose side of our industry and our business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life insurance does have a little bit of an altruistic model to it uh, mm-hmm. if you get back in care. Uh, as a mutual insurance company, I think that actually helps us with that. Because as a mutual insurance company, we're owned by our policyholders. We're not owned by um, stockholders. We're owned okay. by our policyholders. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, as a management team, our job is to get up and first and foremost care about those policyholders mm-hmm. and care that we can be here 150 more years in the future right. to fulfill that promise. Because the promise that we're making— in a lot of cases, is a promise that doesn't get fulfilled for many, many years in the future. Right. And we want to make sure that we're, we're covering and taking care of that. So I, I think that's hmm. one dimension of that. Obviously, as a technology leader, how do we build a strategic technology capability? Yes. Um, and how do we move from, you know, you know, insurance companies traditionally you know, tech because we started with tech, tech mm-hmm. became the foundation. You were the and, first
0: buyers of the first mainframes. Yeah, in and so a lot of it cases. evolved, yeah. you
1: know, it and, and it evolved into some places where that got viewed and kind of that back office front. And mm-hmm. how do we move that forward? And so really my focus over the last ten years is how do we change that dialogue about technology and bring it into the forefront so it is mainstream part of our business. Yes. And and we both know this, right? The um, coming from and, and again the CIOs out there are very familiar with this phrase. Tech technology strategy was a linear process for the longest period of time, mm-hmm. right? It was yeah. I did my business strategy, then I moved to my tech uh, my business direction which mm-hmm. informed my technology strategy which informed my technology direction. Yeah. And that linear process is gone. It's a it's a it, they both are happening at the same time. Tech is pushing on the business models, yes. all the new and disruptive tech, and businesses are pushing in on the tech on, on interesting ways to use it. So we have to come together and talk together as leaders. And think about that outcome.
0: Well, the, as you mentioned, that linear, uh, the linear model that used to be all about IT aligning with business goals, and um, for a number of years, I've been railing against that term. I, I've called it the scarlet A of IT leadership because alignment just means that you're. Here's the strategy, and you're scrambling to keep up with it, and here's what we do to deliver that strategy. Whereas today, it's more about accelerating. It's more about taking a business strategy and inserting technology in the right layers so that it accelerates and changes.
1: And and I, I if I could build on that Please just do. a little. <laughs> I, I would add – and in, in any case where we can push on that business strategy to look for a different uh, – just maybe even a different way to go about business, yes. there are opportunities there. And, and it's important – there's kind of two parts here. There, it's important for the CIO to start to go create those dialogues, right? Mm-hmm. How do we go – you know, if you, you talked about my background, but mm-hmm. I probably use as much of my consulting background in my CIO job as I did in consulting, how do you go work Probably with somebody more so
0: these days. Yeah. And, s-
1: and sit and think about it from their perspective and then work together, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you, you've got a business leader that you can – and business leaders need to be tech savvy, and, right? And tech yes, leaders need to be business savvy. Yep. But it's all about getting that dialogue going and then thinking about that outcome. Mm-hmm. And then once you have the outcome, then it becomes a, an investment in return conversation, right? So what are we going – we're going to invest in that outcome to go get it and how do we then marshal all of us, mm-hmm. not just the tech organization, right. but the tech organization, the ecosystem of partners, and uh, the business organization so to drive So tech strategy
0: outcome. essentially becomes corporate strategy. The I think they become one and the same. Um, yeah.
1: And that we shouldn't really distinguish between the two. It just becomes um, – and our, our, our CEO has added a, a pillar to his – kind of a uh, strategic frame mm-hmm. called tech enabled.
2: Oh, um, how do
1: we become a tech enabled company?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and that's really good, because when you're aligned with your CEO on mm-hmm. a tech enabled concept, but we view tech enabled not in this support function, well, right. but in a how yeah. do we go enable our business? How do we change our cost curve? How do we mm-hmm. interact with our customers better? How do we digitize our operations, right? So how yeah. do we think from that perspective and then then how do you then put those prioritized investments? We, we are a $2.2 billion mm-hmm. life insurance company, which in the life insurance industry is a
0: midsize, midsize mm-hmm.
1: median firm. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to pay attention to our appetite, right? Um,
0: <laughs> yes. Because,
1: again, we want to be here.
0: Right. 150
1: years from now to take care of our consumers. So we do have to pay attention to our appetite. And so that means we have to prioritize those things we want to go do and and, and roll them out to to achieve those outcomes.
0: Yes. And uh, we've already – we've gotten a question from our audience, and thank you for that. And I want to say it's a smart question because it was next on my list too. How are fintech companies disrupting the insurance industry today? That's FinTech, a great... and there's insure tech as well, right? Yeah, now there's... we're
1: actually seeing a little sub-slice of FinTech. Uh, Become
2: InsureTech. Totally tech. focused yeah. on
1: InsureTech. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's probably two answers. If I answer that as a CIO who gets up every day and just pays attention to those and see where they're at. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of FinTech, InsTech disruption occurring kind of across the value chain of insurance broadly.
2: Yes. In
1: the in the life uh insurance market more, mm-hmm. or the life insurance companies. And what's interesting is even though we're classified as a life insurance company, we do have employee benefits. We do have 401k plans. We have annuities. Uh, we have annuities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, dental, dental vision insurance. and hearing yeah. insurance. Um, so we do want to think about how they're disrupting those pieces. Yeah. But predominantly, FinTech and instech is disrupting the distribution part of our business. That's where okay. we're seeing it right now. And the um,
0: distribution part means the part that the brokers where they're dealing right. directly with customers.
1: Yes, thank you very much. That's mm-hmm. good. You, you kind of get in the industry, you start to use the industry vernacular. <laughs> um, for all of those who are not in the uh, insurance industry, distribution mm-hmm. equals sales, right? Or okay. channels <laughs> to market. Um,
2: it's
0: a fancier word, but it, it, it's the same it, effect. It is, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, when I first joined insurance, I had to yeah. build this little uh, translation grid. You yes. know, we oh, say okay. insurance, we say distribution. Oh, that means channels and sales channel, and channels sales to market. Channel. Right. Yes. We say this. Oh, that means that. Um, okay. And so you, you build this little grid, and then over time you start using those yes, terms. And you exactly. And everyone your, you
0: know understands. And everyone those you terms. know understands
1: them. <laughs> but when you kind of go back out and speak more broadly, you have to help do that. That. But that's where we're seeing a lot of the disruption. Mm-hmm. I think most other places, we're going to see people using that to solve a problem, and our view will be less about how do we go. Um, invest in there, but how do we go take advantage of it when it shows up? There's also this, you know, Mm -hmm. maturity of it. And when is it ripe to really get leveraged? Mm -hmm. And so, but right now we're seeing it mainly in, you're seeing most of them, they're disrupting the customer interaction side. They want to capture the customer and they want to grab a different way of getting that customer to us. And And
0: they want to come across as more efficient and quicker turnaround and easier and that sort of thing.
1: Right. And it's easier to do, I don't want to But it's easier to do that side of the business than what I would call the risk side of the business, the long-term liability side of the business. Being here for 100
2: years. I mean,
1: and that is what, you know, the carriers are good at. That's what we're good at. We're good at understanding that risk profile over a long period of time and looking at how we can handle that.
0: Okay. Got another great question from our listeners about adapting to new technologies, that doing that in order to meet business goals, that's good. But how do you move forward with those goals without compromising security concerns and customer trust? That's a heavy-duty question. Somebody's really listening in. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Yes. Um, well, first and foremost, right? Security and customer trust. Um, Two
0: sides, same coin. Yeah. You, yeah.
1: You uh, you you want to keep that uh, forefront. Always, mm-hmm. um, and I think I, I have this uh, phrase that I've used, and it's it's an MBAism I call it. Right? It's <laughs> How do we make thoughtful and purposeful decisions about technology, balancing cost, risk, and value?
0: That is very MBAish, right? Yes. And and you know you put
1: a little <laughs> blank line under technology, and you yeah. could substitute anything you wanted to substitute Cyber there. Cybersecurity, right? right? Yeah. Um, So at the end of the day, that's really what you're trying to do. You need Mm -hmm. to balance the risk profile that you're willing to take on, the value that you're trying to go deliver for those consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to care about it a lot. I I mean, you could get into a lot of specifics, but at the end of the day, you don't lose sight of that. Um, One, because again, we're a regulated industry and the the regulations are, they're just, they keep raising the bar, raising the bar, raising the bar, raising the bar. But I would also argue regulation is the bar you should hit. There's Mm -hmm. a bar above that where you should care about your customer, care about their data. Meeting
0: the regulatory requirements seems so much like table stakes now. And so when you, I know you're a a member of the executive committee, and when you meet with the board on this or when you're talking with the CEO, what are the kind of issues they're concerned about? I think cybersecurity is. Become a more global concern since we've had so many prominent data breaches in pretty much every industry. It's happened in health insurance companies as well. And so the board members have all of a sudden got a lot more alerted to this. And what are your conversations like about them? What kind of things do they worry about now that maybe didn't come up three or four years ago?
1: Yeah, I I think boards, there's a hypersensitivity around security Yes. Um, I also think that we're starting to, I call it my earthquake analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the Air Force for eight years. I analyzed earthquakes for the Air Force. And oh. one of the interesting mm-hmm. facts about earthquakes is, I don't know most people know this, but on average, there are more than 1,300 earthquakes that occur every month. Wow. Globally.
0: And we only notice the big ones. And you only hear about <laughs> the big ones. Yep.
1: Exactly right. So I'm going to put cybersecurity and breaches in the same category, right? Yes.
0: So it's an earthquake watch.
1: You only hear yeah. about the big ones. You only yeah. hear about the newsworthy ones. You only hear about the ones that create, you know, kind of mm-hmm. uh, chatter. Yeah. Um, but boards are, are very okay. sensitive to that. So they're hypersensitive to that. And I think at the end, they just want to know, are we appropriately protecting our mm-hmm. customers' information, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're not trying to go live in a world where we build fortresses or we try to be DOD we're trying to live in a world that reasonably creates those protections um, gives our customers confidence that we are doing that work mm-hmm. right that i think that's the main dialogue that they want to have it's that risk dialogue
2: yes of course um, yeah.
1: more than a, a a tech dialogue and then i think then they want to know and then how do we how do we live in that world mm-hmm. and go do good things with that right so yes. that we're not we're not just caught in that world only and that that's all we do right. how do we appropriately manage that risk and then go take care of the things that we want to take care yeah. of it, it, without, you know, 9,000 specifics in that front. Right. Well,
0: exactly. Well, I never really expect CIOs to say, Oh, here's exactly what we're doing about <laughs> security. And nobody <laughs> talks like here's that. Here's the three you
1: technologies know? you should buy. Yeah. yeah,
0: That's like painting a huge target on your head. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And the only so. people
1: who are going to love you are the three vendors you mentioned. Yes. Uh, the rest yes. Are, right. Well,
0: you know, let them do their own marketing. Right. right. <laughs> right. right. Um, the, uh, another question is, where in the insurance industry are you seeing the greatest resistance to technology? And that's industry-wide. And that's an interesting question because I don't know that you really see a great resistance anywhere to tech. And that would be the use of it and the changing technology and all of that. Is there any place that comes to mind?
1: Wow, that's a, that is a great question. You have to it think is. about that a bit. No, I mean, I don't think you see mass resistance to to tech. I I think we have an adoption challenge, and that's just not in our industry. That's any industry. Okay, Tech is changing so fast. One of the things I like to say is humans aren't as adaptive as the new tech flying out the door. It takes us a while to get used to what we're being presented with and what we like and yeah. and where we are. I've
0: never met a CIO who says we want to be on the bleeding edge of technology because just the word bleeding makes you say, you know, well, let's hang back on that a little yeah. bit. I mean,
1: you want to be creative <coughs> and yes. you want to find new and interesting things and you don't want to be, you know, behind. Right. But I think there's also value in being a really fast follower, right? Yep. In fact, in our industry, if you can follow fast enough, you look like you're in the lead.
0: That's true. That's true because, well, and you get the notice of your customers in a beneficial way. Right. Uh, give me an example of something that you've done as CIO that perhaps has attracted that kind of you know, high fives from your distribution slash sales force or maybe from customers about a change that has come about through your IT leadership.
1: So I, uh, probably a couple, right? There's, we're obviously very much moving into a space where uh, others um, – mm-hmm were further ahead than we were other industries. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've uh, like we've updated you know we've updated our websites. we're creating a better user experience for our customers. We just started rolling that that out. our yeah. obviously our producers and our field force and even our customers, Um, have positive feedback on those fronts. Those would be kind of, everyone's kind of got to go do that stuff. Mm -hmm. We were an industry that didn't do that. I think where we've seen um, in what I would call our uh, wealth management strategy. So you're seeing Mm -hmm. a lot of movement in our industry around, I'd like to say, wellness and well-being at the bigger, kind of bigger uh, topic level.
0: I was a little surprised when you brought that up when we were talking in the prep interview. I'm used to hearing healthcare people talk about the well-being industry and wellness and all that, and I, I didn't I, expect that from I a diversified insurance company, but it makes sense. Yeah, I
1: think it's tak it's yeah. taking hold. That topic is going to continue to resonate and it's going to continue to be more and more of the dialogue. You Interesting. You, you see mm-hmm. it and it, it's not just financial wellness, it's social wellness. Um financial wellness, health wellness. Dental you know. wellness. Den- <laughs> dental wellness. And there's a, there's tons of data out there that ties dental well-being yeah. with uh, physical well-being. A ton of data that of says course. your dental health and your physical health are yeah. inextricably tied to each other. So those two go, go together really, really well. Um, we've done a lot um, kind of behind the scenes, which is noticeable to our uh, our field force, mm-hmm. our, our kind of selling uh, – kind of ecosystem mm-hmm. around the interconnectivities that we've been putting in place. So, you know, the, the CIO world is going to call it the API economy. We all love the new oh, okay. API economy. I yeah. um, and we've done a lot to kind of build a little API COE, go out and test some of these business to business interactions. COE being interactions. center of excellence. Yes, we love yep. the COE concept. Yes. Um, I can use all kinds of acronyms because all my CIO colleagues <laughs> will will get I those. I know, but I'll
0: call them out and, and define you sh- them in you case, in case you other should. people are listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and so along our wealth management strategy yeah. and our dental and vision, kind of mm-hmm. hooking to those broader kind of partners out there um, that yes. are- that the are the
0: partner ecosystem. The
1: partner ecosystem yes. is very important to our industry today, and it's going to be very important to our industry in the future. Yeah. So that's an area where we are kind of getting smarter and better, and, and it's actually opening doors. So, mm-hmm. And we're able to hook faster. We're able yeah. to integrate with a partner faster. Um, you know, we hooked with Health IQ very quickly, and was able to get on their platform uh, and offer oh, our product okay. out to their platform. And now they're very much focused on that healthy community. Oh, well, that's um, great! And then in the whole kind of wealth management space, hooking up with you know the TD Ameritrades and the Schwabs and the right. Fidelities, and making sure we're part of their platforms and we can hook into those. So, uh, and then benefit brokers and advisors. So we've really kind of hyper focused mm-hmm. a little bit on getting that part of our uh, kind of technology in the position where we can go take advantage yeah. of it. We've still got a ways to go there.
0: Well, and the thing is, it's every every time I bring up digital transformation, I mean, it has become something of a wicked buzzword. Um, but it's also a reality of uh, going on in every single industry. But what I, I've found interesting, and a lot of the things we've talked about so far are all digital transformation related, and that we've been talking about the external market. One of the questions we had from our... Um, our uh, uh, alert listeners, was which area was most impacted on the focus on new technology? Was it policy administration or needs analysis? It was more of a look inside the company. Where are you seeing more of that impact inside? And I tend to group all that together with digital transformation because it has to be both external and internal. So what kind of things are you seeing inside the company in terms of, like this question is about where the greatest impact has been on the new technologies?
1: Uh, I think the greatest impact has been in all of those aspects right now around the interaction side. How are we interacting with um, our channels? How are Mm -hmm. we interacting with our consumers? How are we trying to build what I would call a frictionless um, uh, understand and buy
0: Yes. Uh,
1: cycle, right? Okay. Uh, and then the future will be how do we build a more engaged participation mm-hmm. uh, kind of platform, right? We, we know it'll move in that direction. Mm-hmm. So that's been one key area. The second key area is how do we go on this journey to insights? How do we start? We're, we're a data rich. Life insurance companies oh, are yeah. data rich.
0: You've probably got more data than the banking industry.
1: Tons more, um, and so <laughs> h- how do we how do we extract value out of that? Get that to help us be smarter, help us mm-hmm. understand the risk profiles. You know, because again, we want to be around for a long, long time. Right. Uh, and so that I would say those two areas: the interaction area and kind of mm-hmm. this journey to becoming an insight-driven company. We like to, you know, Edward Deming, right? Let data be oh the largest gosh, voice yes. in the room. Mm-hmm. Right. That, I mean, that moniker still holds today. It does doesn't it? Telling um, a
0: story with data has become really the way to communicate it to your board to your external customers do you also have things going on uh, part of that digital transformation with the employee base are you uh, is that part of um, say your it plans going forward changing out technology doing things centers of excellence that are essentially more internally focused
1: Um, i think for our employees Mm -hmm. where i you know, we're, we're clearly on the journey of how do you engage your employees, right? Happy employees uh, j- tend to make a better customer service model. There's plenty of studies out there around that. Yeah. M- most of our focus there has been what's the right technology? So as a technology mm-hmm. organization, we're, you know, we partner with um, the leadership. We partner <coughs> with the HR organization to say what are the right things we want to put in place so that we build the right employee enablement. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because I view my entire uh, IT support help desk function as part of employee enablement. If we didn't have employees, I wouldn't need to have a...
0: Well, so many companies desks for
1: people to call to report a problem or report an issue or, or whatever. Yeah. So we kind of bake all that into what we call the employee enablement kind of ecosystem and think about okay. well, how are we helping the employees? Yeah. It's it's not been a place where we're going to drive you know eighty uh, percent uh, of our investment, but it's right. a it's a very right. critical important part of what we're doing. Well,
0: I've seen so many, uh, in fact, huge companies like uh, General Electric that used to outsource um, all of their employee help desk stuff have started to insource it because it becomes this critical uh, point essentially in making sure that employees are feeling all part of the entire strategy. In fact, we had another question about that, that, um, it comes into another area that I think CIOs always enjoy talking about, attracting talent. <clears throat> the question is, how does Emeritus develop a tech culture with employees? And how do you use that to attract talent? And you have to attract talent to Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: Uh, not just and, Lincoln. I, I have a facility in Cincinnati, Cincinnati as well. That's right. um, and we also you know, want to Think think about ourselves as, uh, you know, how do we go work in this gig economy and okay. and all those kind of pieces. So so it
0: uh, can be Silicon Valley just as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I you know I think our value proposition has to be a little bit different than the tech startups, than the Googles and the Amazons, but we certainly would like that caliber of talent coming into our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so we there's a couple of things we do. One, um, you know, l- look, we go out and say, I'm going to go back to the beginning. We're an industry in Consolidation, Mm -hmm. we're an industry in transformation. That digital age is coming at us. That fourth industrial revolution is coming at us. And that's exciting work. Yeah, it is. You know, it's really exciting work. And we're a place where you can come and we're still, you know, mid sized, median, we're still small enough that you can come in and you can have an effect and you can have an impact Mm -hmm. and you can be part of that. I think we try to find this balance. I, I used to have this comment that said, we're a, we're a mid sized, median company going to be a large company built on small company DNA. And there's a piece of that small company mm-hmm. DNA we want to keep.
2: Yeah. And the
1: right, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. when you're large, you want to be more systemic, more process centric, more metric driven. You want those things that enable you to work at scale, yes. um, to deliver things at, at the right price points, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't want to lose sight of the things that make you human centric mm-hmm. and, and a, great place, uh, a great place where people want to come work. Yeah. So I think we, we want to have some of those work life balances that, mm-hmm. you know, that other industries, the, especially the ones I came from, didn't have that kind of work life balance. They That's offer right. a different value proposition. I certainly don't want to make those places you don't want to go. Right. But right. I think when there's a point in your life where you would like fun, exciting things to do um, friends at work. <laughs> right. Gallup, good friends <laughs> at work. Mm-hmm. You know, we. And, and we, so we go out and try to do stuff as well. Um, you can talk to Docker, which, again, the mm-hmm. CIOs will, will like this idea of containerization, which should give you business speed in deploying. We were one of the first insurance companies to actually get Docker deployed, up and running, and using it. In a portion, right? It's hard to take across. And
0: explain containerization just briefly and what that means. So Mm -hmm. containerization
1: is the concept of being able to take your software uh, in kind of this DevOps environments, your software, and it's all pulled Mm -hmm. together and you deploy it out really quickly and you can run it on like a cloud, right? So I don't have to get hung up in the software uh, on... Uh, what server it's on, and setting up a server and doing all of that, I oh, can actually
0: time-consuming approaches. Right, yeah. uh,
1: get all the components, um, build them into a container, and I deploy my container. And my decliner, my container is execution enabled. Um, and that does give you an ability to then deploy those containers. It actually gives your infrastructure uh, a lot more flexibility on thinking about where you run it. Um, mm-hmm. Again, CIOs who are deep in this will certainly call me out. It's not that easy, right? At some right. point, the software you're making
0: it sound a little easier. The software than it wants is. to yeah.
1: run in a particular place, and you still have those dynamics to work with. But yes. containerization certainly speeds that up and hmm. gives you that DevOps cycle to get it deployed quicker. Obviously, you need to put that in the places where you're going to, that speed's going to give you value, where you need hard methodology.
0: Well, and that's one of those values you can deliver it in a mid sized enterprise. Because trying to do that in a company 100 times your size is going to be a whole different proposition. I
1: I, I would like to think, (laughs) now, you know, I may be a hopeless optimist, but I would like to think if we crack that nut in the right way and we do it, then no matter what our size is, we will have built the processes and the practices that allow us to do that at scale, Mm -hmm. right?
0: Exactly, yeah. Well, and one of the points you made when we were talking about the different challenges in this new transformation economy we're in was that you have to be careful you don't end up in digital sameness, Mm -hmm. and that life insurance companies have size but not scale. Uh, Explain a little bit about that, about what you were thinking when you said that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the whole digital sameness is we're you know, consumer products and retail was, you know, online, web, mobile, way farther ahead of many other industries. Oh, yeah. So as we're all jumping on the digital interaction, getting our websites up and our roles, mm-hmm. you, have the, you have the kind of risk point of looking just like everybody else, seeming just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I think we want to avoid that digital sameness. Um, and I think we want to apply uh, the digital enablement Deeper into our organization to change the cost curve, right? So this mm-hmm. concept of size—I'm big, um, but in our industry, the pressure to deliver uh, at a better cost structure mm-hmm. um, is, is industry wide. And so, being able to change that cost curve, right, so that you know your revenues are growing lesser rate than your expenses are growing, is yes. really about uh, enabling that. And you, and, and you think about the new technologies coming in. Now, there's process, I mean, everything from old process automation and reengineering that you can yeah. do to get there, but there's a lot of technologies that can help you be a whole lot smarter about how you get a process done. Okay. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, interesting ways that we can now put the, the transactional mm-hmm. ecosystem, right? and look at how you streamline that all the way through. So again, you can build APIs at your core systems and Mm -hmm. hook those up and out to change your interactions, to help work with other customers, um, to to do all those pieces. But I also think we have a great opportunity to come in and really digitize the operation itself. Um, Yes, I think that's
0: where a lot of the money and time and effort is gonna ultimately be saved. Right. And it will be very much kind of internally facing. Um, I always forget to do this, but I want to just stop and say if you've just joined us, I'm here talking with Richard Wiedenbeck from Emeritus Life Insurance Corporation. We've been getting lots of great questions from our LinkedIn and, and YouTube and Twitter audiences, so keep up the good work on that. And let me go back to one of them, which actually connects in with what we were just talking about. What are you seeing potentially as the next big disrupting technology when you think about things? that are emerging and the stuff you're, you're um, getting into now, and we talked a little bit about containerization, what is really just sort of lighting your fire and thing you're thinking, oh, I got to, you know, like bookmark articles about this. What are the things you're uh,
1: watching? <laughs> and I, you know, if you look at my Gallup strengths, right, strategic and futurist are like one and two. <laughs> so, yes. So when you ask me that question, I'm going to go... Out, pretty Good. far out in the future.
0: I, I've had CIOs answer that and say 5G, uh, that that's going to change everything. And then we can just play with that play concept. Play with 5G. So, certainly. It doesn't have to be something you're about to implement. Right. It can be, so yeah. I,
1: I think at some point, uh, and, and it actually does tie back in, think mm-hmm. about the music industry, right? And and when music was digitized, not, not stored electronically, but yeah. actually digitized. It completely changed the dynamic of how music was...
0: Created entire industries. Yeah, Mm -hmm. listened
1: to, experienced, sold, interconnected. How the artists were paid or not paid. Used, how the artists were paid. Mm -hmm. So I think our industry is going to go through a... When we can digitize the inside of us the way in which we can create products and services and the way people can experience uh, risk you know—risk mm-hmm. solutions. Um, so mm-hmm. I think the, the technologies are right on the edge of, of really allowing us to kind of change kind of the whole inside of us. Mm-hmm. And if we can digitize ourselves to that level and then look at the different ways to do it, I mean, you, you could see you could see and I, I i hate to keep using a life insurance example cuz i think i could use a, a i'll use both a life insurance and a dental example so i mm-hmm. could see an insur- think of a life insurance policy that sits with you on your phone every day interacts with you the way you want to be interacted with mm. but changes as you change changes as you give it information offers up different things for you that so allows there's, allows there's to AI be adapted enablement with you. under absolutely. that absolutely yeah. so you've got all the ai enablement <clears> all the understanding but it's a completely different construct too you know maybe it just lives know, on your phone yeah. and it just talks think about um think about going to your uh, you know we're seeing a lot of this day think about going to your dentist and
2: mm-hmm. you're
1: you're done with your cleaning you're done with all that and you know exactly you've paid for it right there right you walked out mm-hmm. and pay, everything's paid and settled as you were yep. in the chair not two days later three days later no more things in the mail or mm-hmm. e- email right so just the whole like we know where you are um, we know what you're doing, and all those systems kind of kick in and just take care of you, right? Again, your, yeah. your wellness is cared for the way you want it. I think the personalization part of that is yeah. going to be um, one of the interesting aspects that we'll have to work through. I would um, think, yeah. But but I think when you think about the future, you think about just all of that being very, very different. And mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it is how do we go get those things in place and figure it out as we're right. Right, as we're working from where we are today and how you want to do it today to where... You're going to want to do it different in the future.
0: Interesting. Do you end up having a lot of these kind of conversations with other senior business execs or with the board at Emeritus? Are they, you know, I, I know you're the, the main technology evangelist as the CIO, but I wondered how much of this are, uh, how much of these conversations are happening in the executive suite?
1: Uh, a lot. I think okay. we're, um, it's back to you've got the business leaders are trying to understand where the More tech about is tech. going. Uh, as tech leaders, we're trying to, you know, uh, make sure we're connected to the business. And again, that balance, yes. right? There's mm-hmm. there's that balance. And, and it's a really good balance. You, you, your business leaders are like, I want to get to the future. I want to think about the future. I want to do all the things I want to go do. Um, the great thing about a good business leader is they're also going, I also have to make sure we're in business today, right? And we have yeah. to care about being in business today yep. in yep. order to get there. So that's, you know, the uh, you know executive leadership is not easy because it's like, how do I survive today? How do I take care of the today? How do I get to the future? Yeah. How do I solve all those problems? It's but, not
0: just a foot in both worlds. It's like yeah. you need seven feet for different right. camps. Um, but mm-hmm. those
1: dialogues are occurring. We spend, uh, we spend a day a month uh, as an executive management team, Focused on strategy. We, oh, we get in a room together, we carve out that day, we eliminate distractions, oh. and we.
0: Every month. That's Every great. month.
1: That was a commitment <coughs> that uh, we made uh, about uh, two years ago. To yeah. do that, and that really helps. That helps; it gives you a forum. You've got to have a forum to push those conversations forward.
0: Yes, that's a great point. Because if it's just a quarterly report where you're, you know, you get 15 minutes at the executive committee meeting, nobody's going to remember much. Right. Um, the um, usually, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your your big business and tech initiatives in the coming year. We talked a lot already about being becoming more digitally enabled, um, but you also mentioned that you're on the early stages of being insight driven you know that the loudest voice should be the data and that and there's nobody that does data like insurance companies so what are some of the Have there been any big breakthrough aha moments on that in the last year or so? Or are there any that you're working on now that you can talk about that don't threaten you competitively?
1: Right, yeah. I mean, we're always, everyone's always trying to figure out what's the smartest, brightest way I can use my data to to be smarter. Um, I I think if there's one thing we are learning is we are data rich inside, um, Mm -hmm. but we need to marry our data rich our, our, da- our inside data rich data with, uh, overlay it with the external data. So this yeah. is a place where, again, we're, we're, we're taking cues from consumer products retail who have done a great job of taking outside data and bringing it in.
0: Ah, third-party data, right. of course. Uh, and making mm-hmm. sure
1: we marry the two together uh, and then use it in the right way, right? There's mm-hmm. a, a very large conversation occurring you know, inside uh, our industry and inside uh, our firm with you know, what's the responsible use of, of data and information. Um, yes. Because we can use data, you know, people want a frictionless environment, right? Uh, right? You want, you don't want as much intrusion in it, and we can use data to do that. But we got to make sure you're okay with the use yeah, of that data. How much
0: of it is safe living on your phone?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we learn if you apply for a life insurance policy and you want to be fully underwritten, we, yep. we gather a lot of medical information, yes. you know, that you give us in order to rate that risk. Yep. Um, and, and how do we use that? You know, we want to make sure we use that responsibly. But other data can be used as a proxy for that. Mm-hmm. But are you okay with that other data being used as a proxy? So we are exploring, oh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of creative, you know, can we use data to drive underwriting in a different way? Um, okay. Which which then is less uh, intrusive to you, right? You don't have to go get blood and get poked right, and all that right, kind of stuff. Yeah. So you might like that better.
2: Mm-hmm. But are
1: you okay with that? So we're we're looking at those kinds of things. Um, you know, we're looking at understanding our markets better and those most of the marketing aspects, and we're looking sure. to understand our consumer our consumer behaviors better. And then we're adding in non structured data. Right now, you're trying to do yeah. it in this way where I'm understanding sentiment and I'm understanding emotion and I'm able to apply that to how Mm -hmm. I interact with you.
0: Yeah. Well, and that leads me uh, into our final questions because our time is flying by here. Um, The approach you take around generating interest in and innovation. I always like to ask about innovation, and then we'll close with a little leadership advice from you. Ooh. All right. But tell me, how do you – you mentioned that you, like, you need to get ideation cranked up and then move into doing it. So when it comes to the actual feet on the ground kind of doing it, what is the structure you
1: use? How do you approach it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think at the end of the day, right, we – we w- we always come back to we've got a set of investments we want to go make, mm-hmm. and how do we look at that set of investments? Um,
0: oh, okay, sure. It's a portfolio approach, right? Yeah.
1: And so, you know, the first step was if sixty to eighty percent of your investments are in kind of optimization work, mm-hmm. and another 20% is in transformation or change work and zero is in innovation, well, your numbers are wrong, right? Yeah. So the first move was, well, we need to push that needle down, Mm -hmm. right? And say, we need to start making investments in innovation. Uh, We built kind of an innovation team, we call it our growth board. Um, It's actually run by our chief marketing officer. And Mm -hmm. some of this is, you know, when you're a uh, and I'm integrally involved uh mm-hmm. our, our cmo and me we we partner on a lot of these fronts because we know it's all about going to a future that we have to go to
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but but you got to divide and conquer right so i you know it's interesting I've got the journey to insights and he's got the how do we how do we crank up innovation and get innovation going and move oh, innovation through? So this is a through? partnership
0: with your chief marketing officer. Absolutely, oh, yes, okay.
1: absolutely. And That's and again, great. a partnership with the whole executive team. We of course. we. But yeah. somebody's got to take the A. Somebody has to.
0: Somebody has to own it or at least to own co-own it. And keep it. moving it yeah. forward, right? Mm-hmm. So the
1: first step was how do we create a little bit of kind of investment room? Yes. Um. And then how do we? So then we we have all of the ideation kind of running on that side. And again, mm-hmm. it's easy to crank up the ideation engine. And now you got two thousand. Three thousand, four thousand 3,000, 4,000 ideas a day, you got to figure out how to bake them in. So yes. we've looked and said, hey, at the end of the day, we still want to run them through a series of tests to decide, you know, what what is the investment, you know, when does it get to the point that it's a, a, a mm-hmm. real investment? Yes. But in front of that, we have, you know, let's go fast fail, let's go do a pilot, let's right, go do right, a market right. test, let's go do those. But all of those stay kind of in that experimental phase. And okay. the moment it becomes a major investment, you come back and you get it into your portfolio and go do it. Yeah. And I think the other thing we're, we're sitting in the room thinking about is right now we're kind of 60 in the optimize, you know, 30 in the kind of change, transform, mm-hmm. and 10 in, in innovation. How do we take that 60, 30 and flip them, right? Because, oh, okay. right? And that's yeah. a normal... How do we... It's an
0: MBA-ish question. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Because it's like, you really want those to be the opposite. You want 60% of your energy in change, transformation, a certain amount in innovation, and then a smaller number in kind of optimize and run. But when you tend to build your investment portfolio, you end up with a heavier stack back here. So again, I think having it sit someplace where we can look at it Uh is what's given us the ability to now take a step back and go, is that really the answer we want? Okay. Um, and I think a lot of what we've worked on is building these kind of management lens constructs that allowed yeah. us to take a step back and say, well, is that, is that the answer we want? Or is that mm-hmm. the outcome we're after? Or is that the way we want to in- make our investments uh, happen and stick? And, Interesting. you know, wow. you still have the 200-pound and the five-pound bag problem. I mean, every <laughs> company's appetite's always bigger than their, yes. uh, their affordability uh, metric. But it does allow you to start to rationalize that down.
0: Yeah. Well, and, that, and in the end, the rationalizing down comes down to the decisions that the senior leaders have to make. So that leads us into leadership lessons. And what are some of the things over your you know, such a varied career in both technology and business and um, everything from Capgemini to software companies and now in the insurance and dental insurance? What's... Uh, in balancing all those competing demands on cios, uh, what has worked well for you? What do you recommend to others? Wow, uh,
1: you know i one of the advice I always give is it's all about intent right okay. you've got to you got to start with your intent. your intent can't be politics, agendas, whatever um, those are. your intent mm-hmm. should be hey, there's an issue, I should go get it." Um, I think what i'm seeing in the you know because we tend to be I don't know how much you reflect back and you go, yeah, I always want to look back you know, 10 years and go, gee, I wish I would have gotten 5,000 miles farther than I got. I need yeah. to celebrate the progress, um, but then I need to realize I'm never done. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of dialogue around what do you want in a CIO? What should a CIO be? I think the challenge that we have as leaders is – that we have to move that dialogue to our organization has to become that. Our organization mm-hmm. has to become a strategic capability, right? Our organization has to learn to have these future dialogues and these outcome based mm-hmm. things. Our our organizations have a lot of service DNA in them.
2: Yeah.
1: And and we need that. That we have a we have a run job there's, to do. There's the
0: engineering base, deliver on the specs right. and um, all that. But we yeah.
1: also so how do we make sure it's not just the CIO,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right, that's yeah. thinking about all of these ways to do it, all of these you know constructs mm-hmm. and changing the mindset and moving the the needle and thinking about how you do it different and change the cost curve and getting yeah. to digital and take care of your customers. But how does your org <laughs> do that, right? Yeah. How, how does your org become a sustainable strategic capability? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's a leadership lesson, but it's a leadership thought. I think I would yes. leave every CIO with a – How do we get it past us and Mm -hmm. into the org so that when, you know, the the greatest thing is I I should be able to walk out the door tomorrow. My organization wouldn't flinch. We want to
0: have essentially a beneficial version of a trickle-down theory here. Yeah. You know, where everybody is thinking about it. And I think over the last five years, more and more, especially people that move into tech management and any kind of IT leadership role, are familiar with this thinking and have started along those lines. And the challenge always seems to be keeping that, that going down, you know, keeping the bar moving through the rest of the IT organization. Very so, much so. And you also made a great point that you have to understand that it's chess, not checkers, which yes. I thought was a really great little summary.
1: It's one of my favorite phrases. Thank yeah. you for reminding me of it. Yeah. yeah, My team says, I say that all the time. Um,
0: <laughs> they would have been disappointed I, if you I, missed it here. I
1: have two phrases. I say yeah. never confuse action with motion, mm-hmm. and it's chess, not checkers. Very good. Right? Think about Very how good. you're moving your chess pieces with the right intent.
0: Yes, I like that very much. Thank you so much for joining us today for CIO Leadership Live. If you have joined us late, uh, do not despair. We will have the entire interview with Rich Wiedenbeck from Emeritus Life Insurance Corp. and myself. It will be on our IDG Tech Talk on YouTube. And it's also going to be living on LinkedIn for a while. There will probably be a lot of additional comments. And uh, I, if we didn't get to your question today, I'm sure that I can talk Rich into checking out his feed and, and answering people directly. And then at the um, next Monday, we're going to have our next CIO Leadership Live. I'll be joined at noon Eastern again by Stephen John, who is the CIO at Ameripride. And I will just uh, leave you with an an urging that you subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can actually see the whole collection of our CIO Leadership Lives on there. And they also live on our CIO.com website. So thank you very much for joining us today, and a special thanks to uh, Rich as well. Take care, and we'll see you next time.